0: I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello there, guys, and welcome to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast. I'm Joe Holbert, one of your usual hosts, and I'm joined by Thomas Robry again. Hello again, Joe. This one is a bit of, we haven't really got a big deal of structure to this podcast for today, but we've got a lot we can sort of get through. So we're going to talk about the uh, the 76ers GM situation, because obviously Jerry Colangelo came in in the week. So that changes things up there. We're going to talk about Byron Scott as well because he's had some more funny quotes this week that Thomas doesn't know about, so I'll be surprising him with them. And then we're just going to look at the Sacramento Kings as well very quickly. And we'll finish by looking at free agency. Not all of them, obviously. Uh, Free agents that joined new teams this summer. We'll analyse them, how they've done, how the team's done with them and stuff like that. So... Philadelphia 76ers, Thomas just told me he got into a lovely heated argument with a Sixers fan, but what were your immediate thoughts when you saw that news?
1: I thought instantly that time is running up, San Hinky, and the Sixers clearly don't trust the process themselves, so they want somebody to make it right.
0: Yeah, I, that's exactly what I thought as one. I don't have an issue with being bad, even for as long as they've been. The thing I don't get is one, the the tactic of just taking the best player available is really silly, in my opinion. Um, I think they kind of got screwed this year. Russell was their guy, but the Lakers for some reason took him so they could bench him. Um, (laughs) But the the Michael Carter-Williams thing, is I personally don't think he's a very good NBA player, but the one that actually puzzled me most was KJ McDaniels. I mean, he was a serviceable guard. He was on a... A very very friendly contract. I think he was on like two million over three years or something like that, and they just bind him for a second rounder. It's, I just don't understand it. And they they take on Carl Landry's terrible contract. I don't really get what they were doing. And I'm I'm kind of glad that that is the end of Hinkey because it's just embarrassing to see them lose every week.
1: It is, and like you're a fan of a professional sports team, you. Pay your hard earned money to go and watch them play, and you're going to watch a team lose by what 20 plus points a night? What's mm-hmm. a point?
0: Well, they got they lost to the Spurs reserves last night.
1: Um, that doesn't surprise me. The Spurs reserves are NBA players, the Sixers are not,
0: yeah, exactly. But it's just, yeah, you know, what would have happened? I think he rested Leonard, Duncan, and Ginobili. What would have happened if they were playing? It's just that would have been. So bad. It would have been a massacre. It's just... I'm not saying that, that because they lost the Spurs, that means the process didn't work, but... Even... Even if they do get Ben Simmons, let's say, where's your floor spacing coming from in a frontcourt of Ben Simmons, Jaliloka, Ford, and Erlinson? Where's your floor spacing? Like, I don't even think that would even work.
1: It wouldn't. They need a guard. That's what they need to do. Go get Jalen Brown, Jamal Murray... You cannot take Ben Simmons, even if he's there. That's not your biggest need right now, because you're getting Saurich. You've got Okafor, you've got Noel. Go get a guard. Okay. I think,
0: I think uh, they would take Simmons, but I think if they do that, they'd have to move Noel, I think.
1: Noel or Saurich? One of the two.
0: I think they would go with Noel, but, By the way, you know, obviously we can't just talk about what-ifs, but the the process to me has just been, I'm not going to say a disaster because they were going to be bad anyway, but it's just not worked.
1: What I find interesting about this move is that it seems to have been forced on them by Adam Silver. Yes. Because apparently the other 29 NBA owners and GMs lobbied him and said what they were doing is basically ridiculous. They were very... I think they were just about reaching the cap floor. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so it got to a point where they were just disrespecting the NBA and the other teams. And I know agents had a problem with it, complaining that basically they ruled themselves out of every free agency. So that was one less potential destination for their clients. So I'm glad the NBA and Adam Silver stepped up and put the pressure on them. I said, look, you've got to stop. Running
0: like a professional sports team basically. Yeah, I'm I'm kinda with you there. It's just there's nothing wrong with being bad. And there's nothing wrong with even tanking. I'm I'm not a big um advocate of it, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But to just get decent players and then and then flip them for a second rounder, it's absolutely insulting to the fans. And I it's it's kind of sad that all the Sixers fans I know I know about four or five I think and they're all just saying, "I oh, trust the process," but it's almost like they're just brainwashed by Sam Hinkie. It's ridiculous.
1: Well, in the past two seasons, they've gone thirty-eight and one hundred and forty-eight. That says that just says everything, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you can't just fight that. And th- like, they started this season one and twenty-one. <laughs> I mean, Hinkie is a genius because he got. A whole city to buy into this stupid philosophy for three going on four years. I just... I'm glad it's finally coming to an end because I don't think Colangelo's going to take this crap.
0: No, um, I don't know. What is Colangelo like as a GM? I mean, is he good? Is he going to change well, he, a
1: lot? He owns the Phoenix Suns and was the owner for their turnaround and success. He basically made him good, and then he went, he took over a role for the um, Team USA Basketball. Obviously, it's not hard to make Team USA Basketball good, but he's been basically the main guy for Team USA Basketball for a long time. So, he knows what it's like to be around winners. Mm-hmm. And it's just something they need. He's not gonna make stupid trades. He's not gonna find a young player. Go, oh, he's good. Let's move him. So, he's not going to be a GM, he's 76 years old now, he lives in Phoenix, but he's an advisor that they need, he's a respected guy around the NBA, and he's the perfect guy to hire their next GM, which will be this summer hopefully.
0: Yeah, you've definitely got to be hope at that, and... So a question, because I don't want to talk about the Sixers for the podcast, because quite frankly they're really boring and just lose on purpose, but do you think Hinky will ever get another job in as a GM, or is that it for him now?
1: The only way he does is if the the owner of whichever team hires him says, you are not allowed to tank. <laughs> Although, I wouldn't be shocked if the Nets hired him when they fire Billy King.
0: Yeah, actually, I was going to say that. I I think his approach would kind of work with the Nets.
1: It would with the Nets because they have no hope. The only guy they have to trade is Brook Lopez.
0: Well, also, I think that's an attractive free agency destination, so I don't think he could rule himself out of free agency. No. And also, Prokhorov has a lot of ambition. I I don't think Prokhorov's that bad of an owner, actually, but he obviously has that. I don't. He's good. He's passionate, and he genuinely cares about the team. I, I think that's all you can ask for.
1: Yeah, I think the problem with Prokhorov is because he's he was linked so much with Jay-Z and the fanfare of when they became the Brooklyn Nets. But overall, overall, he's a good owner. He's very passionate about the Nets.
0: Indeed, he is. And I think that is the one franchise I could see him fitting in. I mean, Minnesota, after a new GM next summer, I really hope we uh, don't go there because we, no. we actually want to win basketball games. I don't want to see... um. Shabazz Mohammed, who is reportedly on the trade block actually. Uh, I don't want to see Shabazz Mohammed traded for a second round pick in like twenty fifty. <laughs> I guess we can go off to that in a in a little um sort of transient. What do you think of Shabazz Mohammed being available, reportedly? I don't know if you've seen it, but he is a-
1: Yeah, I saw yesterday that teams had inquired about him. I don't know why you'd get rid of him. If I'm moving any of the players on the Timberwolves' bench, it's
0: Kevin Martin. Well, I think I think coming into the year, and this is from a fan perspective, I think everyone saw Shabazz as our starting and shoot and get up moving forward, or small forward, one of those two. Depends on where you play Wiggins. But Zach Levine has been outstanding this year. He is, he's been brilliant at both ends of the court. So I think the emergence of Levine, he's going to be Rubio's backcourt partner for the long-term future. So I think that's kind of just pushed Shabazz out of the way. The problem is we don't really need much, so you could get a
1: first round pick for Shabazz.
0: Yeah, he's re- he's really good. He reminds he me a lot. Reminds really me of James, he he me of James Harden. You. He Reminds me of James Harden. He's I'm not saying he's as good as James Harden. Before anyone gets a bit defensive, <laughs> but he's just he loves to score. That's what he does. He's actually a better defender than James Harden. Mind you, doesn't mind it take much. Mind you, so am I. I think I'm a better NBA defender than <laughs> James Harden. But yeah, Shabazz. I was kind of disappointed, but. If we had to move one of our young pieces, I would say him. I would have said Gorgi Dieng about a month ago. I'm
1: going to say, would you not package Shabazz and Gorgie Dieng for a better starting centre or power forward? Yeah, it
0: I think our first round pick this year is top 12 protected. We are going to collapse eventually. We're not going to be... I think we'll finish with a bottom five record. The absolute dream would be to get Scowler this year because he could yeah, but I don't I, I don't think that's going to happen I think no that's I
1: gonna... think getting um a guy I'm really high on already is a European guy called Dragon Bender yeah
0: I was looking at I was looking at him yesterday I, I went on a mock draft and I thought right let, powerful he's incredible powerful forward's the only position we need and we need someone who can shoot the three because we don't really have many good three point shooters on our team and him and Scal were the two I was really looking at There's yeah I
1: think Bender has a chance to, I think and he's gonna go quite high in mock drafts because people are gonna say, well, he's like Kristaps Porzingis, so they don't want to potentially miss on Porzingis again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But his range for me is from say four to ten, mm-hmm. and Minnesota are gonna be in that region. If they could get Bender, I, I mean, I really like their future going forward anyway. But my God, that front court is gonna be amazing.
0: It is, and that's that's really the final piece of the puzzle. I think people say you might need a star. Wiggins and Towns will be stars. I'll tell you what, the way Levine's going, he's not far off. He's really not. He's so good at scoring. I like the way marks. Mark Stain put it. He said that he's the first player Minnesota have had for ages that can make bad shots. Yeah, he's
1: basically turned into a poor man's... Russell Westbrook Which is good as they both went to UCLA Both played as kind of off-guards They didn't really have a set position But They've just both gone into the NBA Athletic freaks Learning their craft on the job And it seems to be working for Levine He's a firecracker He's, I knew he was explosive But you're right, his shooting this year Is so much better, he's more consistent
0: He's our best three-point shooter Already Apart from Damian Ruiz, who we don't give minutes for some reason, but yeah, he's he is absolutely sensational. Last year, I just... I mean, over the off-season, I was thinking, yeah, I think we should trade him, but I'm just uh, I'm just being quiet now, because... Yeah,
1: taking that back.
0: Yeah, take it back. He is sensational, and I, I, I like our future, but I was a little disappointed Shabazz was uh, on the trade block, but I can kind of see why. And Gorgie, apparently, is going nowhere. We see him as a a really important franchise guy. So interesting times in, in Minnesota, a team who's uh, not going through interesting times, the LA Lakers. We we talk about them every week, but it's because it's like a soap opera, something happens every week. So you have not heard the Byron Scott quotes, but you. I'm assuming you saw he benched Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I saw
1: that. But that's the last thing I saw was he benched them.
0: Yeah, well basically he's come out and said you know how he is, he's very arrogant, isn't he? He thinks because he was a good player he can say whatever he wants. Yeah. Um He said, I'm just getting the quote now. Yeah, Russell so Byron Scott was interviewed by a local Lakers beat reporter and he went someone went, Have you spoken to D'Angelo Russell? And Julius Randle about your bench because if you make decisions, I, I'm a believer. This is this interesting. Basketball is in anything. If you're managing people, you have to say you have to explain yourself, especially yeah, if you're asked. But do you know what he said? It's yeah. a big boys league. That was his quote, and he he went he went no further comment. So does does that surprise you, or are you, or is anything this idiot says just?
1: Yeah, no, um, if it was any other coach, I'd be shocked with the stupidity that Byron Scott spews out every week. I'm not surprised in the slightest. And it's dumbass comments like that, and his lack of wanting to play his young guys. That's his downfall, and I don't know why he doesn't understand that. If he's going to keep his job, it's because guys like D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle are going to show promise under him. He's just delusional.
0: He is indeed, and it's rubbing off very negatively on the players. Baxter Holmes is the Lakers beat writer for ESPN, or one of them, there's probably quite a few. And he interviewed he did a quick sideline interview with D'Angelo Russell, and D'Angelo said I've got to figure out what I'm doing wrong. Nothing. Because, but that and then basically, um Baxter followed up by saying, well, has Byron explained what you're doing wrong? And he said no. And that, to me, sums it up. He's just, he doesn't tell people what they're doing wrong. And he, he's just terrible. He's worthless in the NBA.
1: Well, did you see the, um I, I don't think he's done much to like, I say punish, punish Nick Young for the, was it a punch or something he did the other day?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: It's uh, it's just like if you can't even punish your own team or whatever, put a suspension or something. I mean, he's a joke. Uh, the Lake. Uh, what's funny is if the Lakers want to keep their pick, they might as well just keep Byron Scott because <laughs> they're not going to get any better, are
0: they? That team should be doing better. Like, it's a talented roster, but it's just him. He's the, he is the worst coach in the NBA, and I don't think it's,
1: it's not crazy, even
0: Because like the coach of my team, Sam Mitchell, isn't very good. I would, I would rather have him with like, you know, being. I'd rather have him with Sam hinkey as our GM than Byron Scott with like Greg Popovich as GM. That's how useless Byron Scott is as a coach. He's when I saw the comment, I kind of I don't know why, but I didn't believe it because that is just completely arrogant. It's a big boys league. It's just. It's clear he's not with the times. you can't manage like that in, in the modern day world. You have to be more open. you have to be more of a player's coach well that's that's what I think anyway. I mean, you do
1: it's all like as a coach your, your 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 job is to manage players and build relationships with them so you can trust them and put them into spots you think they're going to thrive. he doesn't do that. he's basically going out. I've got Kobe and some veterans, I think we should be winning games. So, but he doesn't understand that the team isn't good enough to win games. And although yes you have Kobe Bryant, and it's Kobe's last year, so the team has basically become a sideshow to Kobe again. The point is, even though you're going to lose games, you've got to at least look like, like trying to, looking like you're trying to develop talent. You can't just lose with veterans and then say, "Oh, you know, it didn't work out." Because you have young guys, give them a chance. You never know, it might actually do something.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he is. I mean, he is being ridiculed on social media, and, and rightly so. I kind of feel sorry for coaches when they're just. He, he kind of deserves it. He just comes out with this crap every day. It is every day. I can't yeah. remember the last time he said something that I thought, yeah, that's correct. He is. He is an idiot, and it's its at the point now where I think. I think they are keeping him just so that that pick doesn't go to the 76ers, because. Yeah.
1: I think the worst thing about the Lakers is that. Because, you know, they're owned by the Bus family. Mm hmm. When Jerry Bus. Was in charge. He was alive and in charge of them. He would not have stood for this crap. He would have interfered. He would have got Mitch Kupchak to get off his ass and do something. Yeah. Yeah, Jeanie and Jim Bus Where are they? You don't hear them make any comments about the situation
0: at all. No, it's embarrassing.
1: Yeah, they just let Mitch Kupchak and Byron Scott bend to Kobe's whim, and that's it. It's laughable.
0: It, it is indeed, and a player who commented on that was, we all know, you know, Stephen Jackson, the one I mean, don't you, the one who used to play for the Spurs? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: He, he, they, someone asked him about it because he's, he played for Byron Scott in, he's played for him somewhere. Like, oh, New Jersey, that was where it was. Yeah, and then, uh, he, in the fact, he was, he was drafted by whoever the GM was back then as a rookie, and he played into Byron Scott, and someone went, well, was he, is he a good player developer? And the simple answer was no. He said, the gist of it was, he said, Byron Scott is the last guy I would choose to learn a lesson from, because <laughs> he, he's a terrible man-manager. And this is going to sound a bit wrong in my to I said, if you're a terrible man-manager, but an absolute genius on the court, I think you could be slightly forgiven. I, I still don't think you'll last... But he well, is. Well, look
1: at Tom Thibodeau. He was a bad man manager.
0: He was a terrible man manager. That's why I want him nowhere near Minnesota. But you're a good I mean,
1: coach, though.
0: On the, yeah, on the court. Fantastic coach. Probably top ten in, well, definitely top ten in the league. Um, if he's, if he's in the league. And Byron Scott is, is the 30th best coach in the league. He is, he's just terrible. I just.
1: I'd say there's a few assistant coaches that are better coaches than Byron Scott.
0: Well, yeah, there's a couple. Um, Monty Williams, for one. He's not a very good coach. He's better than Byron Scott. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's dark times for the Lakers. And I'm not sad, because, as as I've said probably on every part, well, I don't really like the Lakers. But what I'm sad about is that D'Angelo Russell isn't getting the chance to show what he can do. I just think it's really sad.
1: It is I mean, I wasn't high on D'Angelo Russell. I think they should have gone for Okafor. If they redrafted, they would have gone for Okafor, possibly even Paul Zingas. But you you draft D'Angelo Russell knowing that you've got Jordan Clarkson, who was probably the biggest surprise as a rookie. That made no sense. But once you've got him, you have to try and play those two as much as physically possible. They're your future. Yep. Why draft him and then just not play him? Especially with the number two pick. If it was a second round pick, fair enough, but the number two pick, you cannot wait on a number two pick.
0: Yeah, it's, especially when you just suck as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't buy into D'Angelo Russell hype. He's, he talked the talk, but I don't think he's ever walked the walk. It's just, but, I don't know. If it was me, I'd play him. As many minutes as humanly possible, just to see if he has got it or not. You can't just give up on him already. It's 23 games into the season for some teams.
0: Correct. Yeah. I just
1: I, don't know how you can give up on a dude already.
0: I completely agree with you. I really do. And. The Laker fans have just got to be hoping that 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 this season ends and that crap pot is not coaching the team anymore because he is useless. But we'll move on to a coach that isn't useless, uh, George Carl. One of the best all time. Basically, that's, that's how I'm going to transition into how we talk about the Sacramento Kings. So, coming into the year, I think a lot of people saw them as boom or bust, but I wouldn't say they've done either. They've not been really good, I don't think they've been terrible. What have you made of them to start the season?
1: I think they've been pretty good. I mean, they've not been great, but as a team, they're playing, they play some pretty good basketball. And, the one thing that has really impressed me this year is Boogie Cousins' maturity. He's putting losses on his shoulders. He's taking the blame for them. He's stepping up. And I think I had them in the playoffs, or so just very close to it. I don't think they're that good. But for the future, they're going to be really good. Rajon Rondo, my word is he having a good season.
0: He is indeed, and another guy who I've been impressed by actually is Omri Caspi. When, when we uh, did that infamous podcast that I forgot to record and we were speaking about the Kings, we, me, you and Zach were speaking about Caspi, and I just think he's done exactly what he did last year. He's a good defender. He's a 3-and-D guy, isn't he, Omri Caspi? Yeah, he's a ridiculous
1: three-point shooter.
0: And that's, that's basically what they've done. I think their biggest issue is shooting guard. I've not been very impressed with Bellinelli so far. I really liked the pick-up, and McLemore is better, but I'm still not sure about him. I think they need a lockdown three-point shooter next to Ray John Rondo. Obviously yeah, there's... that's
1: the annoying thing with Bellinelli. He has shown glimpses of looking like a competent starting two-guard, and then he has a couple of games where you just think, was it just because of the Spurs' system? Because he wasn't great before he went to San Antonio. He wasn't particularly great in San Antonio. But, I don't know. I I wouldn't be shocked if the trade has come in this season. What, for Cousins? No, for Sacramento. Just, they're going to make a trade and get somebody in.
0: Yeah, I I could see that. Um, Speaking of the NBA draft for the Kings, surely a need has got to be either a... I'd say a guard is their biggest need. Probably. Are there many good shooting guards available? Quite a deep draft
1: for shooting guards this year, actually.
0: I know Jalen Brown is the best one.
1: Yeah, by quite some distance. I can't think of any guys off the top of my head right now, but this year, like most years, the deepest position is wing play so I don't know they will get a wing in this draft they have to get a wing in this draft mm-hmm. I, think I wouldn't be shocked if they move Rudy Gay come he's, season's end
0: he's not been great actually no yeah. this season and we were both saying that he was going to be a key guy but he's been good he's not been detrimental but he's definitely movable
1: yeah I, actually, I thought of one guy. It's another European guy, a guy who I was really high on last year before he bailed from the draft. Um, French player called Timof Luwalu. God, his name's annoying. He's a wing. He's kind of in a Andrew Wiggins type mold. He's six seven. He's not a great shooter which obviously Wiggins wasn't when he came in, that wasn't what his reputation was, but he's a pretty solid defender. If he can keep developing his shot this season, I think they've got a chance at getting him, because he, he's going to be in 10 to 20 range for me. So that's a guy they could get.
0: Yeah, that would be, that's definitely one to sort of look out for. Um, Zachary, the George Carl thing, yeah, There's always talks of, of rifts out of this thing, and I, I personally don't know whether to believe them or deny them, but do you think he's going to last?
1: Um, I don't know, because I think the Boogie Cousins-Rajon Rondo combination, I think that's really good. So, if they keep that, I think they could afford to lose George Carr. because I think that's the combination that's working. I don't think it's them to and George Carl, because they're still not winning many games, but the Rondo Cousins connection's pretty evident. So I I wouldn't say that he's going to last the whole season it's the Kings.
0: (laughs) The only thing I'd say is I think this connection's looking good because of Carl's up-tempo system, so if they were to replace him, I think they'd have to bring in someone of similar style, in a way. They wouldn't want to go and get someone like Mark Jackson, who runs the slowest offence of all time.
1: I, I mean, I've joked about it on a couple of podcasts, but in terms of a place where Luke Walton could go, because I'd imagine he'd run a similar offence to what they have in Golden State. If anybody's going to give him a shot as his first proper head coaching gig, it's going to be Vivek, because mm. he, he likes taking risks. I think this could be an actual destination where it could work. Is he, he's gonna let Rondo run his offense? I would. I, based on this season, I trust Rondo running my offense.
0: Yeah, and then Cousins can shoot threes now, which is just weird.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, they're gonna have some room in, like, in the, uh, free agency. They have a chance of getting Harrison Barnes, who obviously knows the system.
0: Even if they stick with George Carl, I couldn't think of a guy more perfect for a George Carl system than Harrison Parts. Yeah, I
1: mean, I was looking at, the other day, I was looking at potential free agents and possible destinations. Barnes to the Kings was one I had, like, top three destinations for him. I think it makes so much sense.
0: Yep. He'd be really good there. Um... DeMarcus Cousins has got to be the attraction, though, hasn't he? I mean, if, you, if you're if you trying to recruit, that's the guy you're recruiting with. Yeah, you've got a pretty
1: good sales pitch. Come and play with the best centre in the NBA. It's pretty good sales pitch. I'd, I'd go because you know he's going to create mayhem in the paint mm. and you're going to have a wide-open shot at some stage.
0: Indeed, it's going to be very interesting. Um, I'm just looking at stats and players who've assisted him. Or John Rondo's assisted him 47 times. The next most is Rudy Gay of 11. So that that definitely shows the connection between them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean Rondo is 11 assists per game this season.
0: Yeah, he's second. Of, I think he's still behind Westbrook. Yeah. I don't know.
1: That's because Westbrook's just like a triple double on it's Stupid how good he is. But I think quite a few people were sceptical about the Rondo-George-Carl fit when he went there. Yes. I tell you what, he's proven people wrong. He He's not going to be an all-star because he's in the Western Conference. But he's having an all-star caliber season. He's, he's been a,
0: really good. It's a highlight reel as well. Did you see... Yeah, he's had a couple of huts. One, he crashed the board for an offensive rebound, and he did a first time behind the back pass to... It was it was one of their big three-point shooters. It might have been Rudy Gay. And then yesterday, or the day before, he it was just an incredible move where he was in transition. He faked a behind-the-back pass, and then he threw it through Rudy Gobert's legs, and McLemore dunked it. He's, he's so talented. I really hope he gets back to his best, because he was... Back when I sort of really started getting into basketball in 2011, he was the best point guard in the NBA. He was, and like
1: a lot of people hate like they didn't hate him, but they downplayed his playing Boston because he had Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett in front of him. So it's easy to look great when you've just got to distribute the ball. But even without them, without them, he was a triple double machine. And this season, it's just. Continuing, he's got four already, and it looks like he's back to his best. I read a comment from um, Rick Carlisle that said, yes, it didn't work in Dallas, but Ray John's still a very good player, and, you know, it was just a situation where it wasn't going to work. The fact that Carlisle still respects him as a player and still rates him highly says a lot because that was a horrible situation.
0: It was indeed. It was one of the worst I've seen, to be honest. But interesting to sort of see where this Kings team go. I ask you, whenever we talk about teams like this, do you think they'll make the playoffs or do you think they'll fall just short?
1: They're gonna come just short, but they're making. They're taking the right steps.
0: Yeah, they are. I would completely agree with that. I, I really hope it works out for Carl because he's my. He's one of my favourite coaches and it will be interested to sort of see how this yeah, so develops. Yeah, sort of soft spot for him. Well, yeah, he's probably the best coach the teams ever had, isn't he? Yeah, without
1: doubt. That fifty-seven win season was magical.
0: It was indeed. Yeah, great coach, and I hope things turn around because Sacramento have been unlucky ever since I started watching them. Which, but yeah, we're, so what we're going to discuss now is um, we're obviously trying to freshen up. We don't just want to talk about teams, so we're going to look at three agents who have who moved in the summer and we're just going to discuss their their fit and me and Thomas don't know who each other are going to talk about so it kind of puts us on the spot a bit and see, so, so the guy I'm going to discuss, Damari Carroll um, that was a that was a pickup I didn't like but I think he's been really good Um, do you think he's one of the missing pieces and they've been a lot better this year than they were last year and do you think he's the reason for that?
1: <laughs> no
0: I think he's been
1: really good, but Kyle Lowry is the reason the Raptors have been so good.
0: The counter argument I saw to that was Lowry struggled at the at last year because he had no defender behind him, whereas Damari Carroll's probably a top ten perimeter defender. Do you think that's made any impact? it's, it's certainly gonna put less strain on
1: that. Oh yeah, without a doubt. It's just I think I think it's a combination of two. Low, uh, Lowry gives them this offensive burst that they've not had since. Last two, three years when, uh, what's his name, Damar DeRozan had an All-Star type year. Because mm. he's, he's disappeared, but you're right. You've got Damari Carroll who brings this ridiculously good defense. He like smothers you when you've got the ball, and then you've got Lowry playing as good as he is. The combination of the two, it, it's working effectively. My issue with the Carroll signing was, um, the money he got. He looks like he's worth it now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that definitely proved a lot. I mean, I didn't see many people say that's a brilliant contract. A lot said it was a good signing, but they
1: yeah, they thought the signing was good. The money was ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and I, I kind of agreed with that. But he's proving he's worth it. And I think the the issue I had was I thought he was just a system guy in Toronto. Sorry, in Atlanta in that Budenholzer Popovich system, but. Toronto signed another one of them in Corey Joseph, if we're not going to talk about it, but I'm just saying that maybe, considering Dwayne Casey isn't a very good coach, I think he's done a good job adapting these sorts of system players into his system, if he's got one. Um, I don't know if he does. But yeah, he's been a really good signing. He's he's improved their backcourt as well. I think also they can run sort of a three-guard set with Carroll, and that helps because DeMar Rosen can't shoot the three. So if you've got Carroll spacing the floor, it gives DeRozan more room to manoeuvre at sort of mid-range, which is definitely his best area.
1: Yeah, I agree. DeMar DeRozan, he can attack the basket like nobody... Uh, to, uh, the the, free, the um, free guard combination you're all about. I watched the um, Raptors-Warriors game the other day. It was actually it was really efficient against the Warriors. I wasn't expecting it to be so good, and I do think that is because Demarri Carroll can basically shut down the likes of Andre Iguodala and Harrison Barnes. Do you think it's sustainable though? Because I I know they're above 500 at the moment, but do you think it's sustainable and could beat the likes of uh, Miami or Chicago in the playoffs?
0: Oh goodness, and that's a. I think they would struggle against a, a very offensive team. I don't think they'd struggle against Miami, personally. I think Miami's Miami's offense is a bit slow, a bit languid, and Chris Bosh isn't helping that. He's not having a very good year. I, I, it genuinely to me depends on matchups. But this way, I know the Wizards have been rubbish this year. But if if that matchup happened again, I think the Wizards would beat them. I just think they're too fast for them, and sort of too. Too active on the defensive end. I don't know what you think about that.
1: No, yeah, that makes sense. I, I my, Yeah, I agree. They could probably take Miami. I think that's they probably take Washington. I think the um, I think they they might legitimately be the second best team in the Eastern Conference, which I wasn't expecting to say.
0: Yeah, because I I agree with that because I think uh, Indiana are going to drop off. First yeah, of all, doubt, I mean, Paul, Ge- Paul, Paul George. George
1: and nobody else.
0: Paul George is my f- one of my favourite players, but those numbers for me they might be sustainable, but I don't think CJ Miles averaging like eighteen points a game is sustainable.
1: Oh, did you hear? I mean, this is funny, slightly off topic, but when the Warriors played the Pacers, I know you said you didn't watch it. They had the um, like the away commentary crew because Golden State were away. At one stage, one of the commentators turned around and said. You see, when Steph Curry hits that shot, he looks just like C.J. Miles. It's like, <laughs> really, you're comparing Steph Curry to C.J. <laughs> Miles? Don't do that. That's just stupid.
0: He's having a he's having a sort of I guess it's a breakout year, isn't it, for C.J. Miles?
1: It is, yeah. He's a pretty good free point shooter,
0: and that's what you need in small. But I I personally don't think that's sustainable. They are um. I saw a graph the other day, which is they are making the most contested mid-range shots. That's not sustainable. They're, no chance. Paul George is very good, but beyond that, I'm not sure if they've got a lot. I like George Hill, but is his play sustainable?
1: Most. I'm intrigued to see how well they play when Miles Turner
0: gets yes, into when the he's back. Run. Yeah, I, I I I like Mahimi as a sort of a small ball center for about 15 to 25 minutes, but Not as a starter, I don't think.
1: No, that's where you need Turner to start and Mahimi to take some... like to play well he's on the bench.
0: Mahimi is a good... He crashes the boards and he's actually a good passer. So he can get the rebound and fling it out to the three-point line. So that's, that's obviously an option for them. But I just don't think they're sustainable, which is basically... To not go to far. That's why I think Toronto are the second best team in the east at the moment. I've I've not been impressed with Chicago whenever I've watched them. I'm not sure it's on Fred Hoiberg that because guys like Mirotić. Mirotić is the guy I tipped. It, I tipped to have most improved player, but he's been pretty poor. Pau Gasol. He looks he looks finished in honesty as a top tier NBA player. So and then Miami. Same. They're slow. They're languished. But they play good defense, so Toronto, for me, are the, I'd say they're the most balanced team of those lot, is maybe what I'm trying to get at.
1: Yeah, I think that that's probably the best way to describe it. On their day, if Miami and Chicago played to their full, they beat Toronto. But Toronto were more consistent and better rounded than them too. It's... All right, you want to hear my free agent?
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: He's averaging 15.2 points per game, six assists, 3.1 rebounds. As a point guard. And this is Darren Williams' stats. Right. My guy is Darren Williams. I have been very impressed with him. Yes. Not just off his stats, but the way he's fitting to Dallas.
0: Well, it's Rick Carlisle, isn't it? He's a genius. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to take it away from Darren. I think it, it,
1: it is a lot to do with Carlisle, but I think Darren's big problem was the weight of the contract and the expectations of him in Brooklyn were just too much. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's just fit into Dallas seemingly perfectly and it's, it's working. I love the way he's playing. He's not been great, but he's playing good, efficient basketball. He's distributing the ball not as well as he has in the past, but far better than he ever did in Brooklyn. And he's not having to make all the stupid plays himself because guys like Wes Matthews and Chandler Parsons have been so good.
0: I think what's helping him is that Rick Carlisle's a a playbook coach, isn't he? He's not a guy who goes, yeah, I'm just going to let my offense run. He wants control of the plays. He calls up nearly every play. And I think that's helping Williams to have that sort of discipline in his game because Rick Carlisle is not going to let him just, he's not going to go, yeah, Darren, just go and do your thing. That's not the kind of guy he is. And I think what I also liked about him, I watched them the other day against Houston. I think they lost in the end, but they played well. Darren was, he was making three point shots, which is all Rick Carlisle asks for in his guards because he's not really a big fan of point guards, as we've said on this podcast. Uh, yeah, really good fit. I was very skeptical about myself.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought it'd be okay. I didn't think it'd be as good as it has been, just because of how bad he was in Brooklyn. But it's it's been a pleasant surprise, and Dallas in general have been a pleasant surprise.
0: They have. I tipped them to make the playoffs, but even though I didn't think they'd do this well. They're they're thirteen <laughs> yeah. and nine, I think. Uh, yeah, I believe so. It's around there. It's around there. I think might be twelve it- and nine.
1: I just think hats off to Darren Williams. He's proven a point. He came out this week and said that people thought he was the problem in Brooklyn. It's pretty obvious he was. Well, pretty obvious that the problem was lack of talent around certain players and lack of talent in front office positions.
0: But if you <laughs> I I listen to what Kevin Garnett says because I find him probably the most honest guy in the league. And Garnett has not blamed Darren. He's not blamed Joe Johnson. He's just said there's a complete lack of structure in place in that franchise. There's no, there's no sort of what's the word? Well, structures again—that word—to to to overwatch practices and stuff. He just said it's such an unprofessional place that franchise, and I I don't think you can blame that on Darren Williams. No, you can't. He
1: deserved a contract he got. He was incredible for Utah.
0: He was at MVP level, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, him and Chris Paul. It was those two and everybody else. So, I don't know. I don't think you just lose that. Obviously, injuries were a factor. Well, just this, the Brooklyn situation was a mess. Darren was always going to regress. Now he's in a situation where he's... Just he's just a piece, but he's a very good piece.
0: Yeah, and that's what Dallas needed when they missed out on DeAndre. They need. Oh, God, could you
1: play. imagine if they got DeAndre
0: as well? Well, I mean, do you know what? We're going to talk about DeAndre next because I'm, I'm. We we discussed him the other day somewhere. I think it was on Twitter. So that that's who I'll I'll mention next. But staying on Darren quickly. Do you think? He he will keep up these numbers. I don't see any reason why not. But. I do.
1: I think between, out of him and other free agent points, I think his stats are the most sustainable because they're not great, but they fit into the, his role, fit into the system, and he's not asked to do too much.
0: That's that's exactly where I go with. And also, he's not the primary ball handler all the time because Matthews and Parsons can bring out... Yeah. And they've got they've got a lot of bench guards as well. They've got Devin Harris. They've got Ray, Ray Felton's been good. I don't know why. I don't know how, but he's been good.
1: Yeah, he has, which I think the last time he was good was that one year in New York. And then he just fell off the table it was awful.
0: He ended up in Portland, didn't he, in the Mellow trade?
1: Oh, and then, God, yeah. and
0: then after that, yeah, crashed and burned. But another guy who has, in my opinion, crashed and burned, at least for the opening 20 games, DeAndre, should have gone to Dallas, shouldn't he? He should. And he's been awful. Yeah, this... Again, it's not all his fault. I think Dot Rivers has really put in players... The, other than Byron Scott, he's been one of the worst NBA coaches this year. Because... Right, it's it's a mini rant I'm going to go on here. People are saying, oh, is the, he put together that terrible bench. That bench should be doing better. There's a lot of talent on that bench. Or at least... There's a lot of serviceable parts on that bench. I don't think you can, you can sort of blame them. Doc is a coach. He thinks he's a top two coach. He has said before he's only Pop is better than him. He's got to show it, in my opinion, with this bench and with DeAndre. They've not been good enough this year. Well,
1: if you go back to the summer when they signed Paul Pierce, Lance Stevenson, Josh Smith people were hailing it as one of the best benches in the NBA and that their bench had the biggest turnaround of any unit in the NBA. So why people are just accepting that it's an awful bench now and it's Doc's fault for construction, constructing this awful bench, it's not an awful bench. The talent is there. They're just not being used right now. now. I do think some guys like Jamal Crawford are having really bad years. But if that's the team you've got, it's on Doc to get the best out of those players.
0: Yeah, so nobody it's... else's job. The biggest issue I've got of him is he does a platoon swap. Yeah, I hate that. I. It's good if you, if like, the Spurs could do it. But like, we could do it, and we do do it, and we do it well. Our bench is top-scoring in the NBA, but <sighs> they haven't got, in my opinion, a very good pro- uh, secondary ball handler. Austin Rivers is terrible. And I think that's affecting the starters because they're being strained. And maybe, this going back to DeAndre, because obviously I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but I would argue that he's being... He's just in a bad situation now.
1: Yeah, basically, the the Clippers know he's not going anywhere. He had his one chance to leave, changed his mind. And they're obviously using him exactly the same ways they've used him since they drafted him. Or however they got him, I think, at the draft. So it's like, I don't know, I think he's in a situation where DeAndre basically needs to get out of Los Angeles and they could get a few pieces back like a backup point guard
0: who isn't Austin Rivers. Yeah, basically. That, that is the gist of it, isn't it? And I think... I'm not a big believer in... I'm not a superstitious or religious guy, but it kind of strikes me with karma because I thought the way that DeAndre thing was handled... I'm not a big Mark Cuban guy. I felt Mark Cuban was completely screwed over there. I really did. I think this is what they deserve because the way, it's not the fact he changes his mind. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the way that... You know, Blake Griffin was tweeting. Sort
1: they all went to his house and yeah. jokingly barricaded him in yeah, and refused the, to allow him to use his phone.
0: It's just a bit classless that, and I, I think they're getting exactly what they. It doesn't that
1: surprise me but from the team that whines about every single call. Oh
0: yeah, they are the biggest whiners in the league. Hate I the
1: Clippers. No, my least. I'm sorry, Dan Coop. I, I apologize. <laughs> but the Clippers are my least favorite team in the NBA. They they whine. And their team plays like their uniforms look
0: bad. <laughs> well, <laughs> apart from Blake Griffin, he has been uh, MVP level. Yeah, Blake's level. been
1: amazing, but the rest of that team's god awful.
0: Yeah, they're not playing. Paul, I've, Paul's having his worst ever year. Not stats wise. Yeah, you know, I don't like to just judge everything yeah, stats. Watch just Chris Paul Yeah, just watch look him. Like Chris Paul. And look, the bench does have an effect on that, but. There's been worse benches in NBA history. Like Miami's bench when they went to the finals and got demolished by the Spurs was a really bad bench. There are bad... Well, then... Cleveland's bench last year. Oh, God, yeah. Well, even this year, it's not great, is it? <laughs> yes, that's true. Richard Jefferson. The, the rumour on Cleveland is they're going to trade a second-round pick for Kevin Martin because we just want rid of his contract, but that would be a great pickup for them. But, yeah, a bit, bit off-topic, but... Yeah, they might be getting Kevin Martin, which would be good. But DeAndre... Uh, the whole reason he stayed is because Doc was like, yeah, we'll give him big a bigger role. But as you yeah, mentioned... basically
1: said that they was going to turn him into focal point because you knew in Dallas they were just going to do a lot of pick and rolls, allow him to just do what he did, turn to the basket and dunk. Because he's got no shot. No. Basically dunk and defend. But they were going to use him like...
0: They were going to use him. chandler. I think they were going to use him more than the Clippers do, though.
1: Yeah, without question. He was going to have far more chances in hitting, because you know damn well
0: that the only time DeAndre
1: gets a ball is when Blake and Chris Paul can't do anything. Yes. I'm sure LA would rather go to Jamal Crawford than DeAndre Jordan.
0: Probably. Probably rather go to Austin Rivers at this point.
1: Well, Doc would, yeah. To Austin. I mean... (laughs) I would love to see them trade DeAndre because I think they could, annoyingly, they'll get a few deep pieces back and they'll have a more rounded team. I just think the big three is just not going to work.
0: No, and there's nothing wrong with big two. You can still win with a big two, I think. And there's a lot lot of teams who would take him as well.
1: A lot, yeah. I mean, if he was put on the trade block, I'd imagine at least half the teams in the NBA would phone within a week.
0: Basically, yeah. Uh, I think that is exactly the way it is, and I I don't blame him for changing his mind. I I think that's a, that would be really unfair to go, oh, you deserve this." But the franchise deal—I thought the way they acted was was really classless. That's that's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, not been a—he's not been great this season. So. I don't think it's one of the biggest busts of the off-season. I think that would be ridiculous. He's still blocking shots and, and grabbing boards, but certainly he's not been great, that is for sure.
1: Yeah, I think just expectations were elevated after beating the Spurs. And I know they crashed out against the Rockets, but expectations were that they were going to be the team to stop the Warriors. And if they play the Warriors tomorrow, they're getting destroyed.
0: Oh God, yeah.
1: So I, I don't know. I just I'm happy that a team as classless as the Clippers are, are playing so badly.
0: I am. I am with you there. Well, uh, we'll move on. Have you got another free agent for me?
1: Oh, I don't, I've a couple guys spring to mind. I think. One of my favourite Guys to watch this season It has been um, Jason Smith In Orlando Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I like Jason Smith
1: He's been I know a couple of Magic fans who have called him The Magic Killer before Because he always Used to have his best games Against Orlando But he's been Consistent and he's given them a bit of versatility when Vucevic isn't on the court. I think Orlando overall have been really good to watch.
0: They have. Scott Skull's done a great job. And Jason Smith is the m- the more underrated guy on that team. He can rebound. He's a good defender. But the thing I like about him, because obviously you've got to score the ball, he can score. He's a decent shooter, yeah. He's a good jump shooter, Jason Smith. He, he really offers you that. I'm just going to get up his jump shooting stats quickly, but... The really, thing is, he wasn't awful in New York. No, he was one of their only players who wasn't an embarrassment to basketball, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, he was, uh, which doesn't say much because a lot of that team was so bad. I like the way he's fit in. He, uh, he just thing is, you like with Jason Smith is he knows his role and he just plays it. You never hear him bitch about wanting more minutes. And I think guys like him and Channing Fry are going to help the magic, your magic players develop so much.
0: Definitely. Channing Fry's got great range, hasn't he? And I would imagine- Channing Fry's incredible. I would imagine he's the kind of guy who has been working with, oh, what's his name, Aaron Gordon. Because Aaron Gordon, I, we spoke about him last week. I'm not a big fan. He can't really shoot, but, When I watched them beat my Timberwolves the other day, he knocked down a couple of threes. And I I don't think he's at the point anymore where he is a liability offensively. If he's in the corner, I would trust him to knock down about 30% of them. And I think for a guy with that defense, that's all you can ask for. Yeah.
1: I just saw a stat from about Jason Smith. Opponents guarded by Smith are shooting 38.2% on shot attempts less than 10 feet from the basket.
0: That's re- that's really good.
1: That's ridiculously good.
0: <laughs> Another good stat: he's shooting fifty percent from jump shots. That's really oh. good as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So the average
1: for um, less than ten feet from basket is fifty three point four percent. So he's like fourteen point two percent underneath that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's
1: ridiculous defensive numbers. Absolutely. Um. He makes up for
0: Vucevic's lack of defence. Well, sir, I would argue more lack of consistency on defence. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's not a turnstile anymore, but you're right. I wouldn't trust him to have a go on Andre Drummond or someone like that. Oh, God. No. Speaking of Andre Drummond, uh, the last free agent I want to discuss is one I defended to the grave and I have been proved right and I've been really smug about it on Twitter. <laughs> Reggie Jackson, he has been... He looks like a genuine starting point guard for Detroit. How impressed have you been with him? Very
1: impressed. I mean, their hot start was due to his and Andre Drummond's play. And the rest of the team seems to have fizzled out. But those two are just... Their connection, you predicted it. You predicted their predi- predi- connection would be so good. And it's incredible to watch. I love the way Reggie Jackson runs in offense. He's he's a great slashing guard, but he's got the vision and awareness to kick the ball out and find passes that I don't think Detroit point guards have been able to do it in a long time.
0: Absolutely, they've they've had sort of a string of dodgy point guards. They've had Brandon Jennings, who who I think has been better under Stan Van Gundy, but he I wouldn't trust I wouldn't have trusted Jennings three years ago to run an offense but Jackson is genuinely good. He only shoots 35% from jump shots, but that's not his game. He's not there to be Steph Curry. There are other types of guards to Steph Curry.
1: Reggie Jackson is basically Jameer Nelson if he was taller and faster, basically. Mm -hmm. He's just a more modern version of Jameer Nelson, and we know that type of player suits Dan Van Gundy's offense so well uh Reggie Jackson where would you rank him in eastern eastern uh, yeah eastern conference point guards
0: goodness I'm just going to get out the eastern conference now cuz oh. you got
1: John Wall's had a bit of a down year
0: and if I'm going on this season it be are right, but if I'm going to do it on on what I think overall Kyrie's better Dragic is better John Wall's better. John Wall's better. I'd probably put Jeff Teague and Kyle Lowry above him as well. So he's probably six or seven, because it depends how high you are on Kemba Walker.
1: That's... Oh, I'd have him above Kemba.
0: Yeah, I probably would. So he's sixth. That's rude. That's good, considering he was on the bench, what, two years ago? In fact, no, half a year ago, wasn't he? He got traded yeah, around the deadline. Yeah, he was a he was a bench player who could not get minutes in that, in that team. He was behind DJ Augustine at the end, which... Kind of sums up Scott Brooks a bit, but <laughs> but either way, he has been he's been really fun. They're twelve and ten, but they're tenth seed. But
1: yeah, the Eastern Conference is separated by like one and a half games from two to ten.
0: The only two teams who have no chance of making it are Sixers and Nets. Like the Bucks are nine and thirteen, but they're not out of it because they do have a lot of talent. They could easily push. It's, it's going to be a really fun race. I'd only say the Cavs and the Heat are guaranteed to get in there because. I've not seen anything from the Bulls where i put them in that category of definitely making the playoffs. It's it's going to be a really exciting end to the season, isn't it? It is. Uh, it's weird that the Eastern Conference is the better conference. Well, yeah, the Warriors are ruining the other one.
1: So... Well, that's true. The Warriors are ruining it. The piss Clippers and Rockets. Apologies, about where we're in, Matt. Uh, <laughs> I, I just never thought... Eastern, I thought the Eastern Conference would be better, but my days, it's so competitive, and there's so many good games as well.
0: Most of the games I watch now are Eastern Conference. I don't. Yeah, really, they're really good. I don't much watch much of the West actually. I've only I only really watch Minnesota. Well, the game I'm planning to watch after we do this podcast, I'll probably rack, whack on um, Atlanta against Dallas. I know that's not an Eastern Conference game, so I've just contradicted my point. But I really enjoy watching these Eastern Conference teams because they're not. Then, they don't just blow teams out, but they're always really competitive. They just, they know how to get results. The
1: game I'm watching tonight is, um, well, gonna watch as much as I can after this is the Balls in Celtics game. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, I might watch, uh, Pistons Grizzlies, cause I like watching the Grizzlies. Oh, do you? I do, I watched a lot of Does them Smith. recently. I watched a lot of them recently, cause I'm, um, I'm working on this long article for a basketball about the overreaction to uh, the Grizzlies' poor start, and they're so good. I mean, statistics. I think the stats actually indicate that they should have won seven games so far this season, and yet they're above 500.
0: Yeah, that's that's work.
1: Grind out wins. It's what they do.
0: I wouldn't say I enjoy them as I've said, but I, I definitely admire them and the way they play. I just like teams that know how to win, and you cannot say that they don't know how to do that. They
1: but... to be fair, it's mainly Mike Conley. I think he's amazing.
0: Well, I love Mike Conley. He's in my fantasy team, so I got to. <laughs> yeah, he's been great, and I just I just want to sign some damn shooters. It's really yeah, frustrating. That's, that's
1: that's the main thing. Like. I've basically written up the article. I've just got to type it up. And my my main takeaways are basically they do everything well except shooting the free, where as a team they average about 33%, something weak like that. And I just lo- I'd love to see them make at least one trade for a real scorer.
0: Yeah, I I don't want them to get Joe Johnson because he is finished. Yeah. He is finished. Maybe Shabazz Muhammad could do them a job for that first rounder. That's actually a really good... I was trying to think
1: of players, and that would, that would actually make sense.
0: Because Kevin Martin's contract's terrible. I think he's owed... I think he's owed, like, $14 million next year. Because Rick Adelman just... I don't know why. Rick Adelman loves Kevin Martin. I don't know why. He just always signed him, but... It's definitely going to be an interesting end of the season. I, I've got a in this trade deadline. I don't think it will beat last year because last year was mental. It was expected to be quiet, and all of a sudden, I just see woes go. Yeah, Brandon Knight has gone to the Phoenix Suns. So yeah, last
1: like, year I was at work, and I fin- I was spending ages trying to get internet connection because the Wi-Fi was temperamental. Finally connected, and it exploded with about fifty notifications on Twitter. I was just like, what the hell has happened? And there's this massive rundown of things that just exploded within an hour. It was ridiculous. All because of that Reggie Jackson trade. Yeah, that's basically what it was.
0: It all kicked off, didn't it? But, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We, we, again, we feel we're starting to discuss all the teams now. Uh, I've got another one planned for next week where we're gonna, Bring on a new guest for Hard, he's gonna come on. He's a I know him from my days in New York, he's gonna discuss the Knicks and Thomas will probably be here as well. And then Matt Matt is t- is gonna do the weekend podcast, so you should be having two podcasts a week, which is really exciting. It's definitely the busiest ever been, hasn't it? Double clutch at the moment. Yeah. I mean
1: it was just this morning I listened to Matt and Bates's podcaster. I'm, We're getting them at a better rate
0: now. I'm about to listen to that one now of uh got an essay to write so I'll have that on in the background. But all I saw was Matt say Seth Curry is a Sith Lord and I can't I can't really disagree with that. I can't disagree with that. <laughs> we have some hot takes on it I, I called Hassan Whiteside Jesus last time we recorded. So we've got some we've got some hot takes going out. We, we have
1: a Jedi, a, a uh, well a Sith Lord in Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> we'll have some more soon. But yeah, it's That's great. But yeah, if you want us to discuss the team again, I urge you to just drop a message. We we had requests to talk about Byron. someone requested to talk about Byron Scott, which we didn't, someone requested Paul and we did it. We're we're happy to discuss anything. We just try and avoid the big teams because they are covered so much by everyone, aren't they, really? And what what can I what can we say about the Warriors? They just win every game. There's nothing. They're like... good. Yeah, I they are. They are very, very good. I can't. I can't analyze them. They're just too good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, they're twenty three and zero, and they've yeah, only come. They're close. very good,
1: and they're not going to lose for a very long time.
0: They're, only two of their games were close. They somehow nearly lost to the Nets, and the Raptors game was close. The rest have been blowouts or, you know, ten point wins. So. There's not an awful lot I can talk about in regard to them. My hot take is they're good at basketball. that That's my comment on the Warriors. They are good at basketball. They are be- <laughs> they are better than my team at basketball. Yeah. But anyway, but anyways, goodbye from Thomas and goodbye from me as well.
1: Goodbye. Why do we play? We play for jumpers, passers, and shooters. We play for driveway one-on-ones... Playground heroes and the clutch vet at the wide. We play for ballers, shot callers, game changers, and life changers. For breaking through,
0: breaking barriers, and paradigms. We play for this, that, and whatever comes. This is why we play.